was eating junk. I had just had two children back to back. I used to not be able to get on the ground. I never, ever daily exercise. Before, if I'd get down, I'd need a chair or something to help me get back up. I was 84 pounds heavier at one time. I was always a big dude, but I couldn't move around. That all changed when they met Diamond Dallas Page. Started doing yoga, man. I started doing a, a thing called DDP yoga. It's Nacho Mama's yoga. WCW heavyweight champion, known for his signature move, the Diamond Cutter. Diamond Cutter! took what he learned recovering from an injury and years in the ring and created DDP Yoga. Working out combined with the eating habits, it was a huge difference. I felt so much better. It's a lot of fun for me because I never used to be able to be active. Now I'm, I'm on the floor, I'm rolling around, it's pretty cool. More than importantly, I just want to be alive. I'm down about 110 pounds. DDP Yoga can work for anyone. DDP. DDP Radio. Well, hello, my fellow DDP Yoga Warriors. What is happening? It is currently 9 p.m. where I currently reside on the east coast of the U.S. of A., high above the DDP Radio Megaplex and beautiful outside on the outskirts of Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, currently broadcasting live through transmissions of Radio Wonderland and through those digital airwaves, we blast out to Canada. We blast through the Arctic glacial cold of the Canadian <laughs> Great White North. And apparently we have dug up a species known long to man as Homeo crystal rectus. I don't, I don't even know what you call, but we've dug her up. She exists. She is the Encino woman herself. Through 75 feet of ice, she joins us here today. Crystal Stewart, how are you? <laughs> Happy New Year, my friend. I'm good. I'm really good. <laughs> uh, as you can see, since, since last year, nothing has changed. <laughs> right? I, expectations were down. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, um, I guess something's never changed, and I guess that can be a good thing and a bad thing. But unfortunately, True. for the time being, you're stuck with me, so... So uh, I'm happy to the show. I, I'm happy I, to be stuck with you. Oh, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about because it we has do. been a few weeks since our show. We, we took a couple couple weeks off for the holidays, as as we all know, they can be chaotic and hectic. And um, I think it's important for us to kind of just kind of chill out a little bit, decompress, get with our families, because uh, in doing this show, we although we greatly enjoy it. Um, you know, doing it so often, there is a, there comes a time where you kind of need to cool off a little bit so you have something to talk about because when we talk to you every single week, we pretty much blow through our stack by the end of the year, so we need a couple of weeks to kind of rebuild some kind of material to actually discuss. And uh, over uh, the past couple of weeks, I know uh, dealing with the plates of, uh, of food from the in-laws and holiday parties, and I got a whole lot of confessing to do. <laughs> I feel like I'm about to walk <laughs> into the chamber and uh, – and uh, say uh, some Hail Marys or, or what are the, you know, Hail Marys, how they're called, and, uh, and confess my sins because this holiday, while it wasn't a disaster, I definitely was looking forward to just pulling it and reeling everything back in. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Um, there was a very audible moment here of overindulgence. Mm-hmm. And 
it's it's funny even now looking, you know, now that things are slowly getting back to order, you know, everybody's back at work and kids are back at school and, you know, all that stuff. There is still um, a great deal of remnants of said overindulgence still sitting around. So, you know, it's... Um, and I don't know, you know, there, I always feel that there's a degree of guilt with throwing stuff out that, you know, mm-hmm. someone has gifted you. Yeah. So I'm kind of struggling a little bit, but I know that I really need to throw it out. You know, all the sweets and all the, all the, just all the stuff that people bring to your house, knock, knock, and they bring food and oh yeah, it's just, it's too much. You and I were talking off the air about how sometimes we make it just so unnecessarily hard on ourselves in the holidays. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there, there is, there's this long tradition, and, and I know that a lot of people have connections to Christmas and holidays and families and stuff that go back generations. But it's also it kind of feels like we, in this day and age, there there may be a need to rewrite the scripts of what Christmas is because we all say it's about True. family and, and togetherness and you know, love and all this stuff, but we end up, you know, it becomes such a difficult, you know, let's just be honest. We don't have, nobody here talking on this show and or listening to this show can afford to go out buying gifts for every single person we want to buy gifts for. We can't afford to ship them across the country. And I feel like we put these expectations on ourselves that other people don't put on us. And those people are putting those expectations on themselves that we are putting on us. So therefore everyone's stressing about something that nobody's stressing about towards them. I think that we just put all this pressure on ourselves to deliver more than we can kind of, more than we can manage over these holiday seasons. And I feel that I'm feeling it and the people I'm sending my gifts to are feeling it. And I think if we all got together and and, and got on the same page, which I was telling you earlier, I was talking to Katie and and my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my parents, and we're like, we're just stressing about getting all these gifts shipped and getting everything taken care of. Let's just dial it back. Let's just get all, all get on the same page. Uh, it isn't about the presents. It's about, you know, it's about having a meal together or sharing time together. I mean, I'm an adult. If I want something bad enough, I'll go out and buy it. True. And I True, feel like right? we, we spend money to, to fill slots of presents, whether they're useful or needed or wanted. We just have to get that present under the tree at all costs. And oftentimes I'm buying something that you're not going to use and you're going to smile and put it in the closet. And then you're going to buy me something that I'm not going to use. I'm going to smile. Thank you. And put it in the closet. Therefore we all just wasted money that nobody in 2018 can spare. And I feel like it just becomes the cycle of trying to just keep up with the traditions that are no longer valid in 2018. I'd rather sit down and share a meal and break bread in a stress-free fun environment with people I love and just it, it put a little bit more enjoyableness into it and just lose the expectations of cookies and food and just celebrate in a kind of a non-ridiculous manner, in a reasonable manner that it becomes fun yeah. instead of a, a, a chore. And see, it really does, for me, I I will be the first person in the world to admit I'm not overly a huge fan of Christmas and the expectation of burden at this time of year, which really shouldn't, it shouldn't be there, but oh boy, is it there. 
and it's the burden of, you know, putting yourself through a mall and spending countless hours in a mall. And it just, I don't know, it just never ends. And there really is a guilt that is laden with so much of, you know, just how we have structured Christmas that I would just sooner do away with it, quite frankly. But that's me. And it's it's so true, and it's not healthy for us. And it's not healthy for no. us emotionally. It's not healthy for certainly not healthy for us physically. I I don't know where when or where this happened, but somewhere along the way, Christmas, and of course we're including other holidays too, because I know not everyone here celebrates Christmas or anything like that. But it's just but it's just become this entire season where we rationalize bringing a plate of bright of baked goods to work every day or. We have yep. coming home with cupcakes every single day, and it's just we we have structured this kind of system around one day because Christmas is one day. You know, uh, I know there's other holidays that have you know Hanukkah eight days and, and some other things like that, but the Christmas that you know around here most people I know celebrate is one day in December. And meanwhile, yep, at the end of October, once Halloween turns the corner, people are bringing Christmas treats. And, yeah, it's something that you can't maintain, and, and I I gotta be honest, I'm, I'm good at fighting it off for a while, but eventually you'll just catch yourself at that weak moment where you end up making a mistake, and then it kind of spirals. And it was to the point that I got this year, where I believe it or not, I lost weight over the holidays, which I have no idea how that happened. I honestly don't, and I don't think it wasn't through healthy ways. <laughs> it was just fluke, if anything. But by the end of the the holiday season these treats that I would have, you know, clamored for at the beginning of October, I was, you know, just teased and, 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 and salivating over. I looked at them in disgust because they were no longer appealing. They were just, they were just more of just this, you know, hammer over my head. And it's just not a healthy environment. And I think that we, we make Christmas not fun. We call it the most wonderful time of the year, but then we just put this unnecessary burden on us, which shouldn't be there. Right? Yeah, my Christmases can be summed up in National Lampoon's Christmas. That's my Christmas. <laughs> Every year. I mean, there's always, it, there's people, you know, you get cheesed off with your relatives. There's, uh, there's something always goes incredibly wrong. It just, uh, it's just, I would rather stay in bed and pull the blankets over my head, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I hear yeah. you, and, and yeah, I mean, but it is—it's so rooted in tradition that I feel like, in order to just kind of, like I said with my parents and stuff, sometimes we should just all get on the same page and just relieve ourselves of the burden. You know what I mean? Yeah, I wish we did that. In hindsight, knowing what I know now, I wish. I wish that was mm-hmm. yeah, because we literally. It used when the kids were little, we would do five Christmases a year because we were carting kids all over the place, and everybody, you know, wanted to see the kids. We've now whittled it down to three Christmases a year, and even now, it's oh, even though it's less, it's still too much. So I would mm-hmm. really like to just do what you did with your parents and your family, and just not stress about anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 you know, the twenty fifth, the twenty fifth is Christmas, 
but it also is Nathan Mallory's birthday, and maybe yes. maybe a mosh pit and and a, and a good uh, rock and roll show and some wrestling and some cocktails and some kind punk exchanging between each other may be the true reason for the season. <laughs> See, that's, that uh, I can sign up for. <laughs> that's uh, awesome. But, no, I mean, I'm, it is something to talk about, and, and it isn't GDP yoga related, but it is that whole, you know, keeping your mindset in a place that's manageable. You're keeping your mental health in a place that's manageable. And in life, we just, we, we kind of put ourselves uh, in situations that I feel like that nobody around us is demanding or asking for, and we demand it of ourselves just because right. that's the way it's always been done. And I think kind of looking at the way we do things is important for our long-term success with DDP yoga, with our health, physical health, and our long-term health. Sometimes the way it's always been done isn't necessarily the right way it's to do things. And a lot of the problems that no. we have in, in society for mental health or for, you know, unhealthy, you know, lifestyles come from just tradition and uh, decades worth of that's how we always do things. And, you know, it was really, it's really kind of interesting. I'm listening to you talk and, and one of the big things that is coming through for me is, you know, it's not a time to be denying your struggles. If you're struggling at Christmas, denying it isn't going to make it go away. Say, you know what? I'm okay, but it's really not my favorite time of year. So could we maybe cut it back a little? It's okay. It's okay to not be, you know, a unicorn with a rainbow dancing out of your eyeballs or whatever. But, you know, it's, it's I don't know. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's okay no, to struggle. Yeah. And it, it, it's okay. And, I mean, no amount of sweets or alcohol or you know, presence or whatever it is that you're trying to, you know, pass off as you're okay. It's, you don't have to, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You oh, don't have to. It, it is. It's, it's, it, you put it perfectly, you know, it's unhealthy. It's unhealthy the way we treat these holidays, first of all, with food and through mental health and all this stuff. But it's called the most wonderful time of the year. We're supposed to be happy and yeah. cheery. But let's be honest, suicide rates skyrocket during December. People sure. can't afford to pay their, their electric bills. There are more, you know, financial struggles during December than anything. So we're trained to just go through this uh, endurance of, of, of just kind of trying to keep ourselves afloat, especially if you have kids. Like, I can't complain. I don't have kids. And I don't, I can't imagine how much more difficult it is for people who have kids because, you know, I, I don't have that that, that, that burden that, uh, that a lot of people have uh, of, uh, not burden, but you know what I'm saying, of providing you yeah. know, a great Christmas for people and, and children and stuff financially. Um, and we've created this system where, I mean, I don't, I honestly look back and don't know how my parents did it because my parents didn't have money. Like we, I didn't come from a wealthy family. And every year there was this, this display for Christmas between my parents and then Santa Claus, of course, you know, came in afterwards and, and took care of the rest of the stuff. I don't know how ends were met. And you look at them and people are just living beyond their means and it creates this unhealthy cycle. And yeah, honestly, we talked about the holiday hangover and coming back here after the holidays and straightening things up. But there really is a recovery process after all of this um, from, from all the stress. And and, and, I, and this is, I'm not trying to be a downer and say that the holidays are miserable or it's a bad time. I'm trying to say that they don't have to be. And I feel like 
that there is a way to enjoy these holidays and, and be as, you know, as happy and loving and family and friends without putting ourselves through these um, challenges that are just unattainable. Right. So there was a saying that one of the kids brought home. It was on a homemade card that they got from one of their friends or a teacher. So I don't, I can't remember who it was, but the quote basically was, and I think about it so often over the course of Christmas and I don't know why I don't pay more heed to it, but it basically says Christmas is not about what's under the tree. It's about who's around it. Mm-hmm. And that's, it makes that means me... That a great musical. Right? It makes me time when I'm freaking out over not being able to, you know, cross off everything on my Christmas list for everyone else. Or, you know, do this or do that or become Martha Stewart magically at Christmas time. Or, <laughs> like, uh, it just, you know, it's... Right? It's about who's around mm-hmm. the tree, not what's under it. So, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that I learn how to ex- <laughs> accept that. And then I'm not going to get into it because you know, I don't know how much you want to get into it, but I know you have a family member who's, who's been under the weather lately. And um, yes. I know that that makes, you know, the holidays hard. And um, But, you know, to kind of bring it back around, my grandfather passed away in 2003, and that Christmas, I have etched in my mind. You know what? I couldn't name you a single thing under the tree that year. But I remember the yep. final year that we had my, my family intact, like that, my grandfather, my grandmother, that's etched in my mind. I couldn't tell you one thing that appeared under that tree that year. And that's what matters. You know, those, those gifts are temporary. Those memories last forever. Yeah, true. And, I mean, it just goes to prove, I see, it's weird. I'm in this weird space of being very mindful of the value of a moment. And it, it's incredible what they mean. So when my grandfather passed away, we gave my grandmother, we found one of my grandfather's old shirts, um, just kind of, you know, a button down dress shirt. And we made a pillow out of it. There was a little poem that says, you know, basically, I can't be there, but, you know, you can still be with me, or I can, or anyway. So she has a piece of him with her, you know, and it was, um, it was a moment just to see the look on her face, you know, it, and I don't know, you can't wrap that in a box. No. You can't find that. No, you can't find that. Yeah. Nope. And I, um, yeah, it it doesn't last forever. Nope. And so, it, it, I mean, we there's obviously so much driven in society towards you know spend the most, buy the most, get the greatest gifts, and it sounds so cliche and it sounds Hallmark, you know, Sunday movie marathon, you know, quality, but yeah, you know, the, yeah. those those things don't matter in the long run. So they they really don't, and. You know the the it's the moments and uh, mean far more than the things, and I think um, I think that's it's kind of gotten lost in a lot of times lately. Yeah. Um, especially in the past, yeah. you know, couple decades and stuff, where it's driven towards what can you get me rather can what can we experience together, or what can I do for you, or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you, we shoveled 
the neighbor's driveway or walkway or salted it or, you know, like we didn't have to, but we did it. <laughs> it's just what you do. Yeah. It's, I never, I never I shoveled know. the neighbor's driveway. I wouldn't, I need a shovel. Well, thanks. <laughs> you need to come up here. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, we, I, I grew up in New England. I was, I, I, uh, I was not good with a shovel. <laughs> Oh. I, was, I actually had a plan. Jim Cornette was one of my favorite people in the world. Um, I've, I've worked for him, done several things for him over the past few years. But he has a, a, a line called Kansas City in yourself. And yep. he went out and did this, he did this gig in Kansas City one time that no one else wanted to do. And he went out there and he stole the show, did an awesome job, just crushed it. So, therefore, every year they called him – to do Kansas City because he did such a good job. So he kind of, by doing a good job, he painted himself in the corner and got the worst gig in the world. So he called it Kansas City. Yeah, right. So the key, so the key, when I was a kid, I always did it. I always made the shoveling process for everyone around me so miserable that they wouldn't ask me to come out <laughs> to blame <laughs> and just uh-huh. dilly dally around in the snow and just make it difficult for everyone. We're like, just go inside. We'll see you when we're done. <laughs> 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 Uh, See, but it's super so cold know. here. We have to keep moving. <laughs> we can't dilly dally. Uh, oh. uh, I know you guys are just brutal up there. Um, oh yeah, we we it were cold. We were doing a kind of <coughs> a catch-all show tonight. Just kind of we're going to go check and get back in touch. It's been a while since just it's been Crystal and I on the show, and we had a lot of great guests lately. A lot of awesome warriors of the weeks and. Uh, to touch on that again, if you guys are thinking that you deserve to be a Warrior of the Week or want to nominate somebody, um, crystal at ddpyoga.com. Dallas That's where you hold you. Dallas yep, Dallas Sorry. Yep. Yep. Yeah, uh, crystal at if you have a nomination for uh, the Warrior of the Week um, or think somebody is up to snuff um, in that category. We've had some amazing inspirational stories, but um, – True. As we turn over the new year, I think it's going to be cool to just kind of just touch base and, and kind of see where everything's gone in the past couple of years. Of course, we got the new DDP Yoga, The Unstoppable, uh, the book coming out where uh, yep. you know, Paige's story is so unique. But, you know, so many people's journeys just happen, and it's, it's hard to, put a, to describe it, you know. How did I get here? Well, I don't know. I did this, and then I just did the next thing, and then it happened. People kind of fall into these places. Paige has this yep. unique ability to kind of see where he's going and map himself into the thing that he wants. And it's something I've never seen before. He has this roadmap to success that works for him and he's guides himself and he gets there. And uh, in that book, he talks about the creation of the DDP yoga program and how, you know, he just, he's got this such a drive uh, to get his goals done. And it's something that is teachable. And I think in that, he's going to go through and he doesn't fire you up or inspire you to achieve something in your life. I don't know who you are because he is one right. of guys that can, he can, he can fire me up to do almost anything. You know, you know he's one of those guys that you just get you talking and, and you could, you could be just dead one minute and just disillusioned one minute and two minutes into talking to that guy, you're ready to stir yourself into revolutionary fervor and just like take on the world. So uh, that book is coming out. And I think, uh, that's going to be a huge success because 
man, that guy's got some great stories, great wisdom, and great um, useful information on, on just taking your goals and bringing them to reality. Dallas always um, reminds me that, you know, he really is, even at times quietly, <laughs> but he's the world's best cheerleader. He really is. Uh, he can mm. find the innate ability just to pull out of someone their very, very best without fail. Oh, absolutely. It, there's a funny story. Um, you look at Paige and the wrestlers who are actors, you know, I'd say even The Rock. The Rock has never really done like a real kind of sink your teeth into kind of role. It's been like right. actor, like, you know, wrestler, uh, action movie, a lot of stuff, a lot of comedy, kid movies, good stuff, but still. Um, so Paige goes out to Hollywood to be an actor back, you know, years ago. And he uh, he brings himself to the uh, Larry Fine um, acting school. Not Larry right. Fine, what was his name? Yep. I can't think of his name, but he's basically the go-to acting coach in, in L.A. Like, he's he's not just uh, some guy sitting on shopping street corner, you know, that you're going to pop in and, you know, get scammed out of your 30, 50 bucks in an acting class. Like, he's the guy that people want to go to. And Paige goes in there into this guy, and he looks at him, looks him up and down, and dumb wrestler, you know, type of thing. And <laughs> this guy ends up calling Paige one of his greatest students because – he doesn't accept just being the wrestler who's going to go in there and do some parts and just be the wrestler on screen. He, he's decided that he wants to do acting. He wants to be an actor and he wants to be great at it. He doesn't want to be the wrestler who puts out a celebrity fitness tape and just hawk it for, you know, a few bucks and move on to the next thing. If he's going to go into the fitness industry, if he's going to brand DDP yoga, he wants to be the best. He doesn't want to be the wrestler selling a celebrity fitness tape. He wants to be the best fitness instructor, best DDP yoga instructor, best DDP yoga, you know, guy possible. Um, he doesn't go into these things thinking I'm going to parlay my celebrity into no talking this product or, or selling this gimmick. If he decides he's going to go into something, he's going to go into it. He's going to start at the bottom. He's going to learn all about it, and he's going to become that. He's not going to be DDP does that. He's going to be that. And I think the way that he approaches life is the reason why he's been successful. Because the name Diamond Dallas Page, you could slap on anything, and there's certain people that are going to buy it, no matter how good, yep. no matter how shitty yep. it is. He's not going to do that to you. And I think that's why everything he does seems to work. Because he, you know, when I'm, he's so passionate about it, and if he decides to take on a project like that, he takes it on as a student and as a as they, he wants to be as good as he possibly can at that, and that's why things work. And, I mean, I, I know a lot of people don't know Dallas personally, like you and I. I mean, we've obviously spent some time with Dallas, but he, um, one of the things, one of the greatest things I admire about Dallas is he does nothing half-assed, nothing like there's no. not a half ass bone in his body. It's like all in all the time. Like he's just he's an ama- he's too legit to quit. <laughs> like honestly. Yeah. He's well, just... when, when you say nothing, when you say he does nothing half ass, it sounds hyperbolic. But ask Robert right? who him and Paige were the first guys kind of in on this. Paige comes up with an idea at any time of the day. 
Robert's getting getting a call, and they're getting on it. Yep. He's fired up. And I always say, I always come up with these great ideas right before I go to bed. Like, my mind is working the hardest, like, right before I go to sleep at night. And I start thinking and coming up with these ideas. And I'm like, oh, these are, this would be awesome. And I kind of get inspired before I go to bed. I'm like, this, if I did that, that would be amazing. I could do that. It would blow up. It would be huge. By the morning, you wake up and you realize the lofty challenge that would be ahead of you if you tried to attempt that and how out of right. reach it is and how out of bounds and how many years and, and connections it would take to do something. So you're like, yeah, maybe that wasn't such a plausible idea. So you got these late-night ideas and morning-morning realities, I always call them. I call them nighttime right. Mike and daytime Mike. <laughs> Time Mike is the dreamer, <laughs> daytime Mike is the, real, is the reality-based, uh, you know, kind of, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, in the uh, feet-on-the-ground guy. And uh, pages. <laughs> Nighttime page pages nighttime page doesn't let morning page get in the way. He got he comes no. up with that wild dreams and then kicks pages morning pages ass out of the way and then just makes them happen. It really is one of those situations where he comes up with these like I, I I'm talking a lot here, but when I first met Page for the first time, I didn't really know him very well, and we're going through his ride and he's telling me all these plans he has for GDP Yoga and all these things he wants to do. I mean, I'm going to open up this performance center, and I'm going to get – and so you're listening to him, and I've been around a lot of the boys, a lot of wrestlers who talk a big game, a lot of it's bullshit. I've been around a lot of uh, rock stars, movie stars uh, out, in Los, out in Los Angeles who tell you, oh, this record's going to get assigned, this record's going to blow up huge, and you kind of know they're just talking out their ass. So I made the mistake of just, oh, that's cool, you know, kind of just, you know, acknowledging the fact that he wants to do this, but – a lot of people talk a big game, and uh, when it comes time to follow through, every single thing he thought he told me that he was going to do that I thought was kind of out there, he did <laughs> without question, without fail. Every single one of them. It's it's, yeah. it, it's a unique breed of, of people, and he's one of those guys that just has that switch that once he commits to a goal or a dream, that goal or a dream isn't gone until it's, it's conquered. And, I mean, he has always been um, proof that like attracts like, because look at the people that he has surrounded himself with. I mean, <laughs> he, he demands a lot from his staff because he demands from a lot yep. from him. And yep. he's not going to bring people in that aren't going to be part of the, you know, the hustle, working, you know, putting the work in. Um, he yeah. said from day one, I will, I will sit here and I will work with you. I will, I will email you. I will call you. I will text you. I will be in contact with you. I will help you achieve your goals if you are meeting your end of the bargain. And yeah, it's, he doesn't, he doesn't need to do that. He's too busy, and he doesn't have time Not to half chase half. people around. Yeah, right? he doesn't have time to chase but people around. Does... If you're putting the work in, right, right. And I mean, mm-hmm. again, I mean, this boils right down to he doesn't do anything half-assed. No, and, and sometimes I think to his own personal detriment. Sometimes I feel like geez, you need to just go on a vacation, just sleep a few few we- a few weeks at a time before you <laughs> I get don't back think into doing things. <laughs> but no, and, and bless Brenda's little heart because she's man, <laughs> he just demands a special kind. No, for real, he just demands a, a special kind of girl that can not only encourage him and keep up sure. with him. And Brenda's one sure. of those people that are just, just as fired up as he is and just as 
inspired and inspirational and and those guys are just you know jet setting across the country every time I, I pick up my phone I see he's somewhere else or he's, you, yeah. know, you can't yeah. even keep up with where they are because they're just they're just making it work and they're doing their thing and you know they've they've done this for so long and he's just dialed into that mode for so long that that's his life his his life is is just productive it's overly productive yeah it's chaotically normal <laughs> exactly right exactly and um <laughs> i mean i was just randomly putting on i was supposed to do the channels the other day on the tv and um he's on tv he's on tmz talking about gene okerland um yeah we should, we should touch on it real quick um sure man me gene I know you're a, you're a wrestling fan, so obviously, uh, yep, you've had a lot of years of watching me and Gene Okerlund, as we all did. That was a shame. Yeah, you know, and it was funny because I went back and I started watching some old clips of him and Bobby Heenan on YouTube. Oh my god! And <laughs> man, I laughed so hard. But really, the voice—I mean, just defining an entire generation of people i mean it's hard to believe he's gone oh man i i <laughs> excuse me um i um jeez less almost a month ago or more than a month ago i was sitting across the table from gene okerland and um, wow. at dinner with um I, I posted the video on facebook with sunny ono <laughs> Remember him from WCW? Yes. Uh, sit across yes. from Gino Cohen with his martini, two olives, and we were watching. Yes. <coughs> excuse me. Um, Bob Backlund do hand, headstand squats or whatever. Oh right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At seventy years old, <laughs> and man, it was sitting there with Gino Cohen. And to be honest with you, I, I Rodney Estee, who's one of my favorite people in the world, a lot of people know Rodney. I messaged him um, that day, said. And Gene Oakland's not well. Like he just, and it was, it was tough to see because that night he was so good. He was animated, having fun at the bar, messing around with everybody. And the next day, <coughs> excuse me, um, the next day we went and saw him, and he seemed to have taken a real hard turn from the night before. Um, he had been seemed kind of confused. He just didn't seem well. He was he didn't seem well at all. And I messaged Rodney. I'm like, yeah, Gino doesn't look too good. I'm kind of concerned because he's kind of at that table all day. And it's just a huge line of people going through. And he didn't know how his health was. But um, uh, it's crazy to think a month ago, you know, I was sitting across from at a bar. And uh, a month later, he's, he's gone. And if you had told me that I would even be at the same table with Gene Okerlund, I would have laughed at you <laughs> as a kid. But he is. He's, a, he's everyone's... Excuse me. Um, he's everyone's childhood, everyone's entire yeah. life's worth of wrestling announcer. I mean, he's the guy that's on everything we've watched since we were little kids. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I mean, he's the, he's the point know. where if they're gonna if they're gonna do a parody of a wrestling announcer, or if there's gonna be a cartoon and there's a wrestling announcer. Gene Okerlund's right. old. They all look like Gene Okerlund. Like they make them like Gene Okerlund. Exactly. They announce like Gene Okerlund. He's just the iconic wrestling announcer. I mean, how him and Bobby Heenan didn't bust up half the time doing what they were doing, I have no idea because oh. it 
always left me in stitches. Oh, oh my God. Did you see Did you see Raw the other night with Hulk Hogan? I didn't see it, but I did see the YouTube clip or yeah. Facebook yeah. clip or whatever it was. Yep. I, I thought um, it was really good. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a fitting clip. I, I was honestly, you know, kind of surprised how much mainstream publicity Mean Gene got. But, you know, you start thinking about it, and this is funny because growing up as a wrestling fan, no one – you were you were the uncool kid to be a wrestling fan, you know? I was, <laughs> yep. Nobody, yep. nobody was dying to hang out with me because I was watching WWF in 1989 or 90. But then you kind of grow up, and you realize how many closeted fans there were that you grew up with, that nobody wanted to give you the satisfaction of admitting it. But then you see something like right. the passes, and everyone comes out of the woodwork. I'm like, you son of a bitch. You were a fan the whole time. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? It's kind of funny you lie how like everyone a <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, there was, there'll never be another mean Gene Oakland. No. That guy, that no. guy lived uh, until 80-something years old. And one of those I'm guys that sure. was literally yeah. in the booth, in the booth till the end, you know? He was cutting things for the network a few weeks prior to his death. So he's one of those guys that just was a lifer, man. And nobody was more respected than Gene Okerlund. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Rest in peace, Gene. We're going to miss you. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not a, um, a, a super religious guy. And, you know, I'm not like, uh, I don't necessarily believe in an afterlife or something, but there's something about Bobby Heenan. Gene Okerlund and Grill Monsoon sharing a cocktail somewhere cool. outside the universe. <laughs> tearing right? it down right now. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, I want to be sitting at that bar at some point. Yeah. Man, yeah. <laughs> what did I miss? Yeah, because that uh, would be just so cool. Martinis on me, boys. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> man, um... It really does give you a perspective, though. Um, Gene did have a lot of health problems. You know, his kidney issues. His wife famously gave him a kidney um, back in 2004, yeah. which her name was also Gene Okerlund. How perfect is that? Um, I just oh, I love that, it? by the way. Oh, yep, that's Gene so Okerlund. Awesome. J-E-A-N-N-E. So, um, so cool. I didn't know but, that. But... <laughs> As we were talking about, uh, Paige was on TMZ talking about Gene and uh, how he just saw him recently and how much he loved Gene Okerlund and how fun he was. And, you know, as you get older, you come to terms with the fact that, you know, some of the things we love end up going by the wayside. And, you know, some of the people, you know, we grew up with, obviously we lost a lot of people in the past few years. It can be a wrestling, it can be music. Um, one of my yep. favorites, Super Dave Osborne, Bob Einstein passed away this week as well. It gets to a point where you get older and it starts to bring you down a little bit. And I know a lot of people, especially in the wrestling business, who've died young, um, especially in the, in the generations before this. I, mean, I know they're trying to clean things up nowadays, but a lot of drug problems, a lot of injuries, just wear yeah. and tear. And you kind of fall into like, you can fall into points of some kind of nihilism where you're like, well, what's the point? Like things are, you know, we all got an end or something like that. But, you know, we do all have an end. But I think we really got to keep in touch with the fact that we don't need to just fade away. We we can embrace the time we have. We can hit DDP. Look at these people that's 80 years old doing DDP yoga. 
And the right. quality of life, there's genetics and there's all this, you know, other factors. But for the most part, a lot of our quality of life is in our hands. And, and that's in my new year, the New Year's resolution, as we bring back to New Year's, I really want to get back in touch with the idea that I have a huge amount of control of my destiny. I have a huge amount of goal of my faith. And I can put in as much work as I and I will get a better outcome than if I just accept what is and deal with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's one thing to be a passenger. It's another thing entirely to be a driver. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's so true. It is, right? And I feel like it's lost, it's lost on people sometimes. You know, whether we, there's addictions. There's the people have addictions. They have food addictions. They have drug addictions. Whether or not I pick up that cupcake that's in front of me is all done by my own physical reaching down and picking it up and eating it. I'm battling a lot of yeah. shit within my head, you know, psychologically when I want that. But ultimately the, uh, the choice to go grab that and put it in my mouth is mine. And I feel once you realize you have so much more control than you realize in your own life, there's a power to that that is invaluable. Absolutely. And there was that, I mean, we've all heard it. It's been, you know, quoted a million different times, but there's a saying that says the reason why people are afraid is because they don't actually want to know how powerful they actually really are. Mm-hmm. If you decide that no, no, you're not going to do X, Y, or Z anymore, and that's just the end of it. You're not going to lower yourself to do that anymore. Whew, man, there is not a force in the universe that's going <laughs> to convince you otherwise because you've already made up your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so true. I, mean, I, I know Alcoholics Anonymous AA works for so many people, so I am not at all... Yep saying yep. negative about that, but there's one part of that program that always bothered me. And it was, and I've never been an alcoholic. I've never been addicted to a drug per se. Food, of course, is another situation. I do have my own addictions. But the idea that you have to admit complete powerlessness to the problem, I think that was always, there was a flaw in that system because I think people need to learn and be conditioned to know that they're powerful and they are in control. And if they take control, they are in control. And I'm sure that that, that program and that system works for so many people and that aspect works for so many people. But I don't need to know how powerless I am to a situation. I need right. to know how powerful right. I can be if I grab that. And that's the mindset where I lack is just a, it, you need to be in touch with the fact that you, you have so much capability and so much on hand uh, results, you know, you have so much invested in, you can grab something and and physically be in charge of your own destiny. And I think that's lost on some people. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of funny because after I was diagnosed, I was, you know, I was in a, not a very good place at all, but what I, know now in hindsight looking back is that one of the most um, 
solidifying things that you can convince yourself is of is resignation. If you resign yourself to a situation or a thing or I don't know, whatever, um, that is kind of like putting it in concrete when you resign yourself to anything. Well, that's a great point. Yeah. So no, I really had to I had to stop and think about what exactly it was that I was resigning myself to and if I really did deserve to be doing that to myself, not what other people were doing because then you start looking to shift the blame. You know, the blame game is another, you know, kind of funny thing, but when you're resigning yourself to something, that is an internal factor because you're doing it to yourself. No one else is doing it to you because you're. That's I, I love that, and it's right. You you got to watch something. There's a documentary out right now called uh, the Bill Murray stories. Yeah, I, I can't yep. remember. It's the, something about Bill Murray, but basically. Bill Murray, he's, he's showing up at these random parties and stuff like that. It's, it's actually a great documentary. But during it, there's a segment where they talk about this old towel, um, this old ancient, like, you know. So um, a guy a, a guy comes over, and he, his horse ran away. And the neighbor walks over to him, the guy, and says, I'm sorry to hear about your horse. My condolences are with you. And the guy, the farmer, says, who knows what's good and what's bad. And two days later... Right. The horse comes back and brings 12 horses with him, and he's rich with horses, and he's got to get 12 horses. So the horse runs off, and it, it knocks over his kid, who's, you know, paralyzed from the, from the waist down. And the guy comes over and says, I'm sorry to hear about your kid, you know, who died from the horses. And the farmer says, or who was paralyzed with the horses, the farmer says, who knows what's good and what's bad. And then two days later, the, the infantry comes to town, it it drafts every single one of the kids in that town and they were all killed at war. And so who knows what's good and what's bad. So the fact that right. the horse ran away brought, brought, you know, good, but that good ended up leading to a bad, which was the child, you know, becoming handicapped, but also everyone came to town and all the kids ended up dying. So that bad situation that started off this chain of events, you know, so saving that kid's life, your son's life. So, Everything that happens, who know, who's to say what's good and what's bad? You know, who knows right. what the next step is going to lead? So I think it's really important, too, because it's such a great story. But your perception is everything. Your perception really is everything. And I'm finding now that we are, I don't even know if it's a society thing or I don't know what it is, but we are so willing to give so much of ourselves away for whatever reason, validation or, you know, you're doing so well or, you know, whatever the case may be, that we forget that part of the journey is falling down. Mm-hmm. Yes, part of, I mean, yes, we all get back up, but you got to fall down too. So I don't know. It's always a two-sided coin, and I think your story is really, really important, and I think it's something, you know, somebody who's listening is going to hear this and think, whoa, yeah, yeah. I mean, who's to say that whatever you're ragging on as such a huge burden 
isn't going to turn around and be the biggest blessing you've ever had. Mm-hmm. And you, yeah. you, you nailed it on the head. We're, we're, here, we're here for a long time. You know, most of us are going to be here probably into old age. Um, yep. And there's going to be a lot of twists and turns and coin flips along the way, you know, some wins and losses. But it's a continuous effort. And I feel like we spend so much time just, you know, putting our nose in the sand and just wallowing in the bad parts of things. We need to go on and just react in the moment, react to what hits us, react to the the, the problem that happens in the moment and, and move forward. I, I will give go. you a, a personal flaw of myself. Um, I have a huge problem with, I'm not afraid to die. I, 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 and people, you know, you know, I've heard that it sounds kind of brazen, but I'm really not. The thing that terrifies me is losing the people around Except everyone me. else. And, yep. Yeah. And it, my, 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 my dad got sick a couple of years ago and he got, he needed a liver transplant and he got the liver transplant. Um, the day that he got his liver transplant successfully treated, I had my mentor in the radio business, the guy who started me from the start. He, I was best friends with him. I pretty much lived with him for a while. Died waiting for a heart transplant. Then uh, I really got myself into a complex of the, the temporarily, uh, temporary aspect of life, and everything is temporary. And when I lost my friend of that, the heart, um, the heart transplant, and my dad, I kept looking at my dad as like I couldn't even jo- enjoy the fact that he had just gotten his life saved from a liver transplant because I'm my, in my mind, I'm already preparing for the loss of my parents and the loss of people I care about to the point where it became an obstacle in my life that is too present. I will lead up and worry about things that are happening 10 years, 20 years down the line. I worry about having my parents in a nursing home and worrying about having to do things that like are decades away from even having to like rationalize but they're constantly here and it gets in the way of me being present and and me being involved in my own current life because I'm so far ahead of my stress and it's crippling to your personal life and your social life and your here and now. And I know you've dealt with that recently too. And it's, it's, it's hard to tell ourselves that not to do that. And it's easy to kind of look at and notice that it's not healthy, but, I don't know how to get past that myself. And one of the, I can only speak from personal experience because I'm the only one that's living my set of circumstances. You're not living them or someone else who's listening isn't living in my shoes. But one of the biggest things, and I mean, this all started when I started DDP yoga because I always thought um, in my mindset, a workout meant I had to slug weights and I had to do this and I had to do that. And it had to be hard. It really, really had to be hard and difficult and, you know, not so much. I mean, I'm not that girl anymore, but what was really important for me to have to learn. And I mean, I'm, I'm nowhere near, you know, an expert at it because I still have to do it. Um, every day, especially now, because I've got some things going on. But so you sit down with yourself and you basically strum up everything that's going on in your life and you kind of just look at it and go, okay, what is happening to me versus what is happening for me? 
it's just a shift of mindset and, you know, wordplay. But I don't know. There's a degree of gratitude that comes in with all of this. And this is what DDP Yoga taught me in the beginning because I was so ardent to, you know, push through these really tough workouts and to then switch and go to something like DDP yoga, I thought, who am I kidding? Like, what am I doing? This isn't what I'm used to. This isn't what I'm, how am I going to get a great workout? And I mean, in hindsight now, I'm getting a better workout now than I probably ever have, but I had to get out of my own way. But it was really a shift for me to stop and think what was happening to me versus what was happening for me. That's a great, great point. And it's a great, it's a great, you know, I think you, you, every week you come with us with a great quote and I think it's an awesome quote. And, but I think we're too quick as a society to share the inspirational quote on Facebook or pass along the inspirational, uh, you know, video or movie and expect that to do the job for us. But if you don't take that quote and break down what it means and actually find a way to incorporate it, you know, sharing an inspirational meme on Facebook, yeah, sharing it on on, on a meme on Facebook isn't enough. It doesn't click everything into gear with you. It's sometimes we're, we're, we're distracted by the flashiness or the, the eloquence of the sentence or the way it flows or the cleverness of the quote that we don't take the time to actually kind of internalize what it means and put it into action. There's a lot of inspirational stuff on Facebook that's useful, but it's useless if it's just shared and just put out as a pretty another eloquent quote on a nice meme full of clouds. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I I have one of those really weird lives that, you know, I I have a wall in the dungeon, my workout room, um, that is full of quotes. And But every quote, quote on that wall means something. It, I, I like, know it does to you. It, yeah. It's like flipping through a photo album. No, uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked about that many times in your dungeon and your quote room and stuff like that. And those quotes are up there for a reason because they represent something to you. And that's the way that those things work. That's the way that those um, little cows and, and, and quotes and memes and stuff are useful because you put them up there because they were useful to you and you internalized them and you made them work. And just just reading a pretty quote isn't going to do that for you, but those are up there because... Nope. Those were quotes that were turned into action, and those were quotes that were turned into wisdom. And sure. that's why we have you read these quotes on the air. They're not for because they're pretty or they sound nice or they're clever. It's because behind the cleverness, behind the eloquence of the quote, there's, a, there's an important message there. And it's up to people to take that and kind of use it and not just share it and not just a meme with pretty little clouds and send it off to all your friends on Instagram. Right. Those are those right. are tools. Those quotes are tools. They're tools and they're I mean they're they have purpose. I mean they're very akin to gasoline for me. Because right it can power you through a moment when you open yourself up enough 
to the words that you're trying to figure out what it means. Once you sit down and you get to know yourself a little bit, (laughs) you'd be surprised at just how amazing you are and how much you're not going to need everyone else to float your boat for you because you're the captain of your own ship, not someone else. Absolutely, and that's why we do this. You know, when when I was in my roughest spot when I first started GP Yoga back in 2010, 2011 maybe, um, it was a quote that was on DDP's MP3 that came with the program that meant more to me than anything could possibly imagine. And these quotes are are, are can be sent in a moment that are you know, a moment of desperation that just turns something around are so important and they're so useful, especially when you're looking for some sense, you know, when you're looking for something to make sense and then something like, you know, one of the quotes that you read every week comes along and it may have been the thing that was heard a million times before, but put into that package the way it was and broken down and related to you in a way that was relatable. Um, right. Sometimes it's a lifeline that people need and, that's sure. why, I mean, there's a, there's a reason why they're put in that structure of eloquence and cleverness because it takes a fact that we've probably heard a million times before, but it makes it relatable to us and in a way that we can kind of comprehend and, and, and put towards our own lives. And that's an, a very important thing. And it's a very important thing you give to the listeners of the show. And I know for a fact that, that you know, so many people appreciate those. We've gotten emails and messages of how much they mean to you people. Um, and, you know, Crystal, you never know the time that you might read someone a quote that might be the thing that they were looking for in their, you know, you know yep. dark times, yep. you know? Well, so. and, I mean, be, because we we are always around Dallas, but, and I mean, I guess we just, it's not that we become used to hearing it, but it's very true. So we almost expect hearing it at some point, maybe, that you never know the power you're giving someone by believing in them. Kind of the same mm-hmm. thing. Kind of the same thing. No, absolutely. What we do here. Absolutely. Yep. And we got, we got 90 seconds left. So as we're talking about a quote, is it was the, that with your yep. quote or you want to throw something, a Hail Mary to go home with? Got a Hail Mary. And it's by some philosopher in France. I can't say his name, but just know I it's from France. Perfection is achieved not when there is nothing more to add, but when there is nothing left to take away. I love it. I love it. 60 seconds left in the show. That is perfect. Thank you so much, Crystal, and thank you for, for thank all the you. And, and inspiration you give everybody. And I love it. That's perfect. And just, you know, remember that just believing in somebody, you know, believing in somebody that may not be the easiest thing to do or may not be the easiest person to kind of have faith in, sometimes there's a great value in that. And uh, sure. that's uh, sure. that's uh, that's what we do here. We're, we're, yep. we're all unrefined. We're all just trying to chisel our, ourselves into something that's manageable. <laughs> Absolutely. So, <laughs> Thank you so much, Crystal. Uh, it was a good show. Kind Thanks, of just Mike. conversational, yeah. um, pulling it back into a little bit. But we're all over the place, so we'll see you guys later. Thank you, Crystal. Go back to your ice ice castle, and we'll uh, <laughs> see you guys next week. Take care. And 
your life. Talk to you guys later. Bye, Mike. <laughs>